You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast, sponsored by Lono Coffee. Visit LonoCoffee.com, use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. Fresh pound of coffee, or five, makes an excellent holiday gift. Trust me. Today, I visit with my pal Mitch Tisler from NBC Sports Washington and the Washington Football Talk podcast. We talk about Mitch going from behind the camera to being on podcasts and a little bit of celebrity and more. Plus, we talk about the offensive line. Does Mitch buy into this team? And then I chat with Tyler Roman, former NFL scout, about some fantasy football, Antonio Gibson, and Florida quarterback Kyle Trask. It's never too early to look at the draft. It's an odd spot to be in here, a team that's contending for a title, or at least an NFC East title, and also a top 10 draft pick. Odd times, folks. Don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. Follow Mitch on Twitter at Mitch underscore Tischler, T-I-S-C-H-L-E-R, and Tyler at NFL Scout 21. And now, here's my conversation with NBC Sports Washington's Mitch Tischler. All right, Mitchell. Well, I'm very excited to have you on, partly because I want to make Pete Haley jealous. But the other thing is I just enjoy your story. So you, you've gone from a cameraman slash photojournalist to now a celebrity on, on the Washington Football Talk podcast. I'm, I'm going to start there because I am curious for you, how weird has this been for you to go from someone who's always been behind the camera to now somebody who's more out front of things and a little bit of a celebrity here? Uh, it's definitely weird. I mean... It's crazy how this industry has changed over the years. I mean, even for you, John, you know, you were a, you you still are and you've been a writer forever. And now you're a star on all these different networks and have your own podcast and all that. I think it's just the era of access, you know, going back to when I first started on the Washington football team beat. Um, I think 2007 was my first training camp. And, uh, you know, through that season and through the, the others with the reporters that I used to work with, you know, I always you know, give them little tidbits or nuggets or notes, you know, that I saw on the field because I'm kind of a little bit closer than a lot of the reporters are. And now we live in this day and age where kind of everyone has a voice, obviously, you know, every fan does on Twitter and every, you know, pundit does on, you know, some national network. And it's uh, created a, a space where I've been able to kind of, uh, you know, not just have to tell a reporter who then goes on TV and and, and tells uh, tells what they see. I'm able to kind of get my own views. So it's been, it's been a crazy road. I mean, I don't know that I ever really saw my uh, career going in this direction, but it's been a lot of fun and, and, uh, and I'm enjoying it probably the most that I have uh, since I left college. But you know, it's funny that you bring that up because I don't know that people understand 
just the role that a photographer can play, whether it's cameraman, photo, you know, just a regular photojournalist or um, for print, for print photographer, I mean, and the role they can play in helping that coverage because, and I learned that early on my time on the beat, there was a photographer for the Washington Times named Ross Franklin, who was great at giving his guys little nuggets. So it was like having a third set of another set of eyes out there. And I've had photographers who have helped me like that. And I've seen it for other, at the Washington Post. I've seen John McDonald, John, you know, all those guys. So, yeah. you know, I don't think that people quite appreciate the role that people like that play. Yeah. I mean, I think you look on, you know, in movies and on TV, it's always kind of the schlub that's holding the heavy thing on his shoulder, but certainly in, in our world, in the world of sports, you know, particularly the world of sports, you know, photographers are right on the sidelines, you know, we're in the middle of the warmups, we, we hear the pump up speeches, you know, we're the guys that are shooting it and seeing it. And, you know, everyone who watches a game on TV, you're seeing one camera that's live, but there are 17 other cameras that are shooting individual things as well. And so certainly, you know, I think part of it is, you know, these, the some of the, a lot of the photographers you mentioned, you know, go into a game and, you, and knowing the storylines and you're paying attention to particular people or particular things. And you're able to pick up a lot of nuance on the sidelines and in the huddles and on the bench that, you know, you can't necessarily see from a press box or a press seat. And, um, I, I, you know, I give JP Finley a ton of credit for, you know, uh, kind of allowing me to have, um, you know, a voice early on and, and, uh, you know, be able to chime in on the podcast. And I think things have kind of grown from there, but, you know, it takes, there's a lot of reporters out there that have big egos and think that they know more, you know, than everybody else. And, and certainly one of the great things about working in our media room is that people don't, people aren't particularly like that. And certainly John, as I've gotten to know you and, and JP and, you know, the others, it's, uh, it's impressive, you know, to see how, you know, you guys take in knowledge from every, every walk of life and every which way and kind of put together the, the you know, the big story from, from all the little pieces. But you know, it's funny too, because you brought up how in this day and age, and I remember, you know, I don't know if it was 10 years ago or something like that, how you see how social media has changed the business and the way things get out there, whether it's your role increasing or even like who's putting out certain stories. I remember the junkies had a story years ago and I remember like, yeah, I can see them having it. I didn't, I trusted what they're getting because they have access to people too. And this whole business is, you know, in that end, it's just about like, you didn't always have, and the, the junkies have their radio show so they can get stuff out there. But some other people may put something on social media. They didn't have that ability in the past to do that. Now you do. So it just, it's, you know, it's, news can kind of come from anywhere because it's like, hey, maybe this person knows the right person and you put it out there, but it is how it's changed. And for you, it really has gone that way too. And when did you know for yourself that it had taken another step. I mean, when, like, as far as like people either saying something to you, when did you know it's like, oh, this is a little bit different? Um, I guess when when I first started on the podcast, I would I was doing a lot of the technical stuff with uh, Rich Tandler and JP, and then kind of on game days, I would I would uh, give them kind of the field perspective. And I think about midway through that first season that I was um, that I kind of started contributing to the podcast a little bit when I, st I started jumping in on, you know, the Wednesday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday podcasts. And, and for me, it, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was, a, it, it felt like it was a, a, the next step, you know, doing that because you, you, in any job, you know, you kind of, I'd been covering the team for 
eight years or so, and, and I love covering it, and it was great. And But at the same time, you know, I was trying to – I was starting to look around and see what's next, what's more, and kind of this was a perfect vehicle, a perfect avenue to, to build off what I had already built in the Washington, D.C. market and with the Washington football team and kind of expand on it. You also have a football background too, so that helps as well. So yeah, what, certainly. Give people give people a sense of you. Know, you yeah. I mean, it's it's not that much of a football background. There are people that, that cover it way that are around it way more than I was. But it was ten I, years I in the NFL, school. right? What's that? It was ten years in the NFL, right? That's yeah, what yeah, you yeah. told me. I was, you know, I was I was the guy standing out front yeah. uh, with a sign saying, "Sign me, sign me, sign me." Now, I, I was recruited by a couple of oh, B1 yeah. schools and, uh, and didn't end up playing in college, but uh, went to Maryland originally to play football, but, but uh, that didn't happen because I messed up my ankle and kind of didn't have the love for the, for the sport that I then that I do now. But it also gives you that perspective. So you're going to hone in on the big fellas up front. And I'm just curious, let's kind of segue into what this team is now. And when you look at what they're doing with that offensive line, what jumps out at you? I think the cohesiveness. Um, I think uh, John Matsko, the offensive line coach, has done a great job in year one getting these guys to kind of gel together. Certainly there was a ton of question marks, you know, heading into the season. I kind of thought that the uh, top end range for this O-line unit might be kind of middle of the pack. And, and I think they're – I think they've kind of solidified themselves right there. Morgan Moses has been a great anchor uh, for for this O-line. And, you know, Brandon Sheriff has, has come back from, you know, the, the injury last year and, and been super solid. The guy who's, you know, um, I'm not talked about nearly enough is Chase Rulier. He's really locked down that center position. He's going He's going to be a free agent coming up, and he's a guy that I think they really need to uh, to key on re-signing, along with Brandon Sheriff. But, I just think I think John Matsko was, you know, coming off the Bill Callahan era of offensive line where he was kind of a larger than life coach. John Matsko is kind of a guy who's behind the scenes and we don't talk about very often, but I think he's done a really great job of getting these guys to to work as one unit. I agree. And I think the other thing you, you touched on Morgan Moses, we've we've both been around him through throughout his entire time here. What have you seen different in him maybe this year, even the last couple of years? Uh, I, I just think he's been more consistent. I mean, I think, I think last year specifically, and I, he had seemed to 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 uh, to be just to be skating by. I would say to he was. It didn't seem like he yeah. <clears throat> potentially was working as hard as he is now this year, and more so, I think the leadership role that he's taken this year. I mean, always Trent Williams was there in the background as the leader of the O line, and basically his entire time that Morgan has been here. Last year, things were so up in the air with what was going to happen with with Trent and everybody else. This year, Morgan's really taken on that leadership role, and and he's really solidified, I guess, the left side of the line now, but the right side earlier. Yeah, you guys had him on the podcast recently too. Did anything he say kind of stick stick out with stand out to you that you recall? Yeah, that, I mean, you know, that that you say, oh, that's just kind of an example. You know, we we talk all the time about. Um, about football players when they have their kids, how it kind of changes the way that they approach the game and approach life. And, you know, Morgan, I think is, is in that, is in that realm as well. Uh, his father passed away, you know, this off season. And he said that he gave legitimate thoughts of stepping away and, and retiring. And to me, you know, I think when you have kind of those big life-changing moments, it can kind of give you some perspective on where you are in life and in career. And, 
especially when you look along that offensive line, you know, not just the starters, but there are so many young guys in there between the Wesses and Keith Ishmael and even Chase Rullier to that point, you know, that, that Morgan, I think really is, is stepped in and, 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 and taken the onus to be the, to be the, you know, to be the, to be the leader, to be the guy who's going to, to usher the, usher the young guys in. How do you think this group can hold up? They got a tough stretch coming up here. How do you think they can, can they hold up? Do you think? I think they can hold up. Honestly, I think the biggest thing, I think they do need to in next year, address the left side of the line a little bit more, you know, maybe Wes Schweitzer can be a fit, you know, longer term, but certainly a left tackle. I think they need a little bit of help. Alex Smith helps out this offensive line so much. I mean, you can just see it in the past couple of games. He gets the ball out so quickly. He's decisive in his, in his, uh, in his decisions. You can see him talking and he just, he, he, he if the defense identifies itself to him. He's going to be able to adjust the line. He's going to be able to set the protection the way that it needs to. And he's able to get the ball out quickly, like I said before. And, and, that's the biggest thing that can help a, a group that, you know, isn't as stout on paper as, you know, as some other units around the league. Are you buying this team two wins in a row? Are you buying what are are you buying that they can stay in this for the next five games? Again, three tough games coming up. I'm buying that they're going to be playing for the playoffs in the last two, three weeks of the season. I'm buying that. You know, is it a is it a is it a is there a stable for long term success here? Probably not without some key upgrades and, and you can start a left tackle. You can look at safety, you know, you can look at a second, you know, second wide receiver, obviously quarterback, you know, outside of, of Alex Smith. But the funniest thing for me has just been the consternation, you know, two years ago when Alex Smith was six and two and everyone was so frustrated with the way that they had gotten to six and two. Now everyone's super excited that these won two games in a row and that the offense is moving and that, you know, Antonio Gibson is coming together. <laughs> I think you're really seeing, uh, you know, people are kind of understanding that that you can you can win ugly and still win and put yourself in the positions that you want to be in, and that's competing for a playoff spot. You know, Mitch, it's funny you bring that up because I was I was telling my kids, my wife, other people, like, since that Dallas win, pretty much anything I tweet out involving this team – especially if it's McLaurin or Antonio Gibson, it will, the chance for a thousand likes is very high. And I don't, and I'm not exaggerating with that either. I don't think I've seen the fan base as energized as they've been after that win in a long time. And I think, I think they understand that there's still a lot of growth that still faces this team, but it seemed like that win has really, maybe either energize a fan base or maybe staved off some of the negativity for now. But I don't know. I just feel like it's been kind of weird, not weird, but just different since that win. I don't know if you've gotten that sense at all or not. Yeah. Well, I think you look at kind of what this team has done through the draft of the past five, six years, seven years, even, you know, post the RG three trade and all that. And there hasn't been a whole lot of sexy picks. There hasn't been a whole lot of players for, the you know the the fan base to get behind and now you have Chase Young you have Terry McLaurin you have Antonio Gibson you have guys that, that you can look at a Montez Sweat I mean there are others as well but you have guys that, that I think the fan sure. base can kind of latch onto is these are guys that you know knock on wood knock on anything that are going to be here for the next three four five years are going to be the core of your team going forward and there hasn't been you know since the Alfred Morris RG three and there was a big void before that. There hasn't been a ton of, you know, 
exciting players on offense, which is what fan a lot of fans want to watch, you know, around. And right. I think watching these young guys grow from within the organization and be homegrown, I think is really, you know, attracting, you know, the fan base back. And John, we talk about it all the time. If this team, you know, gets back to a third of what they were, you know, in the glory years, this is a fan base that's just waiting to explode. You know, it's there. You see it, you know, Absolutely. in spots from time to time. If they can win a couple football games, momentum's a hell of a drug. And, you know, the Steelers are a really good football team. The Niners are a really good football team. So are the Seahawks. But things start moving in the right direction, and we see these things happen in the NFL all the time. Yeah, and I agree. And I think that I think that's what has struck me since that Dallas game is just how hungry people are. And but it's just the example is like you're right. I think that's a good point. There are young guys that they can latch on to and feel like, hey, it's gonna be fun watching this kid grow. Because I'm telling you, anything I tweet out of McLaurin, it's almost guaranteed to get a thousand likes. Last question. And the um the Eagles play tonight as we're taping this, so we don't know what's gonna happen. If if they win, they're in great shape. But as we look right now, where do you feel Washington stacks up as far as its chances to pull this thing out? You know, I think a lot of it depends on Danny Jones's uh, MRI on his on his uh, hamstring. I think you know maybe by the time this comes out, we'll have some more answers. But it sounds like he's going to miss a couple of weeks. And you know, Washington football fans right. know Colt McCoy well, and the Giants have a tough you know five game stretch or four game stretchers: uh, Seahawks, Cards. Uh, Browns and Ravens before ending with the Cowboys, they might only get one more win. I, I feel maybe I'm being overly bullish. I feel good about this team. I mean, I think they're going to get to at least six wins, and I think they might be able to pull one off against, you know, the Niners maybe or the Seahawks at home. Every year Washington seems to win one of those games that no one expects them to, and exp- and they lose one of those games everyone thinks they will win. I think they already lost that game against the Giants, the home game. Where's that win coming? You know, is yeah. that win on, on, out there this year? And if they get to seven wins, I think they're a playoff team. But we do the we do 100 chips, you know, on our podcast. I have 70 chips on Washington winning the NFC East. I have uh, 25 on, on the Giants, and five can be split up amongst the uh, uh, amongst the Cowboys and and uh, and Eagles. I, I think I think. FedEx Field might see a January home football game, and you know maybe I'm getting out over my skis, but that's where I stand right can't now. Rule and, it out. Yeah, I think it's a possibility. <laughs> you can't rule it out, and it's funny because with Alex Smith playing quarterback, like that might be you know the the we thought the biggest story was him coming back. It might be him leading this team to that division title, especially if they got to seven wins. And the other thing that sums up 2020 better than anything, Mitch, is the fact that 95 percent of your chips are on the, this team and the Giants. Right. Nobody would have had that in September. So that's that that's fantastic. Mitch, Where thanks a lot chips? for coming on. Enjoyed it. Where are your chips? My chips? I mean, I'd have to, I don't, I'm not putting a number on there because I haven't thought about it, but I look at this team and like, I because of all the other stuff going on with the other teams, you know, the Eagles, if they win tonight, they're in a good spot. Um, so we'll, we'll, let's say they don't use based on who they're playing, but if they do, that's a really good spot for them. Otherwise this team looks in good shape. The thing that concerns me, I mean, every team has something that concerns you, right? The giants without the quarterback, will Colt McCoy stay healthy? How's he going to look? That is a tough schedule. And Jones was playing better. Um, you know, but with this team is like, they do have to pull off one of those three. 
And then if they pull off one of those three, I think they go into those last two feeling really good. And that could be the difference because the Carolina and Philly, they can win those games. So, you know, I think if they get to seven, they're a lock. If they get to six, then you, then they may need a little bit of help. But I, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I could see them finishing four and 12. I could see it being seven and nine. And, you know, but I would, and I would lean more toward like a six wins at this point, which would, match my season prediction but that prediction has changed about five times this year so i can't i can't sit there and say if they go six and ten i got it right because i've changed it so many times so but yeah i would i would probably i would give them an edge right now because they're i think they're healthier the schedule and then alex smith totally and i also think the coaching staff has done a good job too so all right mitch well thank you very much thanks john it was a lot of fun After this break, I'll be back with former NFL scout Tyler Roman as we look at some good fantasy plays for this week. Can you finally trust Antonio Gibson to be an every week back in your fantasy football leagues? And what about old friend Jordan Reed? And what does Tyler think about Florida quarterback Kyle Trask? You've heard me talking about Lono Coffee for a couple months now. Let me tell you a little bit about who they are and what they're about. Lono Coffee is based in the Shenandoah Valley, just a nice bunch of people who are open for business during this trying time. Just look at their website, lonoakcoffee.com, and what do they highlight? Their core values of quality, family, transparency. They work with co-op farmers from all over the world to source their beans. They also support small farmers to find the right beans. During this pandemic, one of my saving graces has been grinding my beans from Lono Coffee and taking a few minutes before the day to savor the coffee, get my mind right, put a little jazz or Frank Sinatra or Louis Armstrong on in the background, it's even better. I've enjoyed all their blends, but among my favorites, the Ethiopian Guji, love the berry flavor, the Mexican Chiapas, and their house blend. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, that's L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com. Use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. You can thank me later. All right, Tyler. Well, I want to get into a little bit of college quarterback play, Kyle Trask in particular in a minute, a little bit of Antonio Gibson. Let's start with some fantasy football talk. And there is another game Tuesday night. <laughs> Weird, but this is the 2020. So mm-hmm. what what do you what are you looking at for this weekend? Who are some of your good good plays for this weekend? Well, I'm looking at a receiver first, and you've got Debo Samuels coming off his best game of the year by far. He's been played by injuries, but he had 133 yards and 11 receptions last Sunday, and he's available in about 50% of leaves on Yahoo, and he's super talented, just been injury-prone this year, but they get him the ball in a myriad of ways out of the backfield and stuff, and even with Mons at quarterback, I could trust him as a wide receiver two or three going forward. Um, then you had Devontae Booker, especially if Josh Jacobs is going to be out, I think guy's gonna pick him up now because Vegas likes to run the ball and you know Booker had two TDs just two weeks ago um so he's productive when he gets a chance and he's gonna have some volume coming his way especially if Josh Jacobs is out then you have Latavius Murray who had a really nice day yesterday for the Saints he had 124 yards and two touchdowns with Hill at quarterback New Orleans is running the ball a lot because I think he obviously suits what Taysom does Kamara's been banged up so Murray's getting more opportunities but I think they're just gonna split some reps going forward because even when Kamara is fully healthy, Murray gets eight to 10 touches a game. So especially if he's going to get a more an uptick with them running more, I think he's a good play. And if you need to stream, stream a quarterback this week, I think you guys should look at Kirk Cousins. Uh, he's 
had at least 19 points in four straight games, and he plays the poorest Jacksonville def- defense this week. For Devontae Booker, too, they, I think they have the Jets coming up, don't they? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's why I think he's a great play this week. So uh, I think Josh, he had a pretty bad ankle injury, at least what it seems. They'll get more information going forward. But I think he, if he's out this week, he's a must-start going against the Jets. What about Cam Akers? Cam Akers, again, yeah, it's a guy I like from Florida State. He's finally getting a little more carries here for the Rams. I think he's the most talented guy in that backfield between Henderson and Malcolm Brown, and he's finally getting a little more play. He had a touchdown yesterday. I think he's definitely worthy of a pickup. You may want to see one more week because McVay's been going back and forth with his committee to see if Akers gets more touches, but I definitely think he's worth a pickup at least. I think, and I think they got what? They have Arizona, the Patriots, and the Jets. They have a chance to run the ball against those teams. Exactly, exactly. What do you, what about what do you do with Jordan Reed? Now Jordan Reed and you know going back to Debo Samuel, you know Nick, Nick Mullins has hadn't been up and down a couple of games he's played. I don't think Garoppolo's coming back anytime soon. But Jordan Reed is still talented from what I seen in the game I saw yesterday. He's still a great route runner, has that shake to him on top of routes. He's getting open, but Mullins missed him a few times. But I think he's also worth a pickup just because of tight end play. I think I said it before, it's just been really bad in fantasy and just across the league stat wise. So I think Jordan's worth a pickup. And you know, if you don't have many other better options at tight end, I think he's, you know, he definitely could be putting your lineup and hopefully give you at least five or six points and maybe a touchdown. So are we at the point where you can trust Antonio Gibson every week? And I say that knowing that they have some good run defenses up the next few weeks. <laughs> I think so. I mean, I think he's inching up towards, if not already, a top five uh, running back this this year. Po- po- points perspective wise in fantasy so he's getting the volume there he's going to leave a little more looks on third down especially this past week in dallas if he can get you know five to seven looks a game out of the backfield on top of the 15 20 carries he gets i mean the volume is going to be there and yes another run defense is coming up but even pittsburgh is not as good as against the run as they are against the pass i know they struggled against the ravens just a few weeks ago so i think there's some plays to be made and i like the way that scott turner's scheming up the run game and even keeping McKissick involved and motion pre-snap to open up some holes for Gibson that way as well. So I think he, I think he's definitely can be trusted the rest of the way. And that, yeah. And I think when that, the other thing is, I think they're going to try and rely a lot more on him because he's, his role seems to be expanding a little bit. Uh-huh. I know there are still some protection issues at times for him, but I mean, I think he's going to get those chances and I think that will help. Right. I mean, that that's what people want. You want the guy to get chances. Exactly, exactly. And like I said, I think he had a snap uptick this past week against Dallas. McKissick, I think, is still better in the backfield, definitely better yes. pass protection-wise. So, um, you know, is, if, if Antonio can shore up that part of his game when it comes to pass protection on third downs, he will be in there more on third downs, but that's just been his biggest downfall so far this year. So if he gets a little better than that, he's going to have more opportunities to catch a pass out of the backfield. Yeah, and it's funny because McKissick is still their pass catcher guy, and I love that signing when they did it. And uh-huh. I like it even more now because I think that guy makes guys miss more than anybody, you know, it's out of the backfield, make, does a really good job with that. Let's go to some college quarterbacks. You have watched, you watched Kyle Trask recently. What, what did you see when you're watching him? You know, I watched him against Georgia a few weeks back and he had a pretty good game. He had, I think two touchdowns, no, actually three touchdowns, excuse me, four touchdowns. He had a great game. He did. Um, from what I see, he's a good accurate thrower when he has time in the pocket, feet set. Good arm strength, not amazing, but it you know gets the job done. Reads the field pretty well, goes through progressions well. Good pocket movement from what I've seen. He has a good feel for it. A very smart, decisive player. Finds an open man in mismatches. Uh, I also like that he finds the check down when it comes to that. You know, sometimes young quarterbacks want to make the big play, but he was able to check it down. Uh, really good ball placement as well, and he gives guys a chance. And some things that I didn't like though, um, he's 
not as accurate when he leaves the pocket on the run. The blitz and the rush definitely bothers him. He gets very happy feet in the pocket, which leads to Aaron throws. I didn't like his footwork uh, in certain situations, Matt, because he kind of, I think he was trusting his arm too much. and His arm strength isn't, you know, a guy like Mahomes or stuff like that. So I think he's got to work on that. And, you know, but overall, I think he can be a starter in time. I think he's more of a second round player, you know, maybe late first. You know how once we get closer to April, right. how quarterback's going to rise up the boards. But the talent is there. He did have one pick, but I play him more on the receiver. There was two receivers running in the same area, which you don't really see that something went wrong. Receiver ran a wrong route. Um, but, you know, he he's a good player. He's having a Joe Burrow-like start to the season um, there in the SEC. Um, so he, he can be an Eisman contender but either way Florida's a good good team and Trask is doing really well so he's only gonna he's got some more opportunities I'm really excited to see him play Alabama in SEC championship game if it gets to that as a way it's trending right now sure and does he remind you of anybody in terms of his style well I heard people try to say he was a little like Dak Prescott because but I think people were making that assumption because he was coached by Dan Mullen just like Dak was in Mississippi State they're similar body type wise but I don't see – he doesn't – he's not the runner Dak is. He actually – he's not afraid of the lower shoulder, though. A couple of times I see him run those RPOs. So he definitely has a little bit of athleticism to him. But I guess I don't see the Dak Prescott. You know, I'd have to think more about who I yeah. would. He, he's like a 6'4", 230 guy. He's a big built dude. But um, from what I've seen, I heard Dak, and I, I don't see that quite as well when it comes to athleticism. And you said – you said because it's funny that you put the round on him too because I know it's funny when you talk to some of these GMs and all that, as you know – they don't always like to put a round on a guy. Some guys just like to say, well, this is, I, he's a red chip, blue chip, whatever. But you think in that second, third round range. Yeah. Just because from what I've seen, he's not going to be. At least good. as of this point, as you said, that can change. Exactly. Exactly. I just don't see him as a day one side right away. I think he's a smart player and I think he has a good feel for the game. He was throwing the receivers open too. He has nice anticipation. So I, I definitely think there's some things you can work with him. I just wouldn't put him in the same class, of course, as the Fields or Lawrence or even – I like Zach Wilson better. I have to watch a little more of Mac Jones, but I think he's more in that Mac Jones area of the five or six quarterback range. But, again, there's still some more ball to be played, and especially let's see how he does if they play Alabama. Obviously, Alabama's team is not as good as it's been in years past, but it's still going to be a worthy opponent for him to go against, especially for a chance to make the college football playoffs. You want to see what he does in a big moment like that. Tyler, awesome stuff, as always. Um, and, we, you know, we're going to be talking about quarterbacks – probably yeah. for a few more months here and everywhere. So thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Mitch and Tyler for joining me. And thank you, as always, for tuning in. Thanks also to Lone Oak Coffee for their continued support. I'll be back with another episode Thursday. We'll take a look at the Steelers and much, much more.